Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven Podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! podcast. My name is Arthur Richardson and I have a new co-host with me and his name is Steven. Welcome to the podcast, Steven. Hello. Um, just to introduce myself, uh, I'm Steven Anderson. I uh, was a religion teacher at a Catholic high school for the last four years, doing a bit of a career switch up, uh, taking my uh, journey from God into psychology um, long story on that. We don't need to get into that now, but, uh, yeah, excited to be on the podcast and talk about the various topics we got. Oh yeah. Yeah. I met Steven back in college. He was actually the one who invited me to go to Sacred Heart down in Detroit. So yeah, yeah. good times, good times. Yeah. All right. So getting back into everything, um, there was a reason why we had a bit of a delay with our our podcast largely because um the the myself included the three co-hosts were just kind of going through some life stuff um needed to take a little bit of a break um we did leave the last season on the mass kind of uncomplete we'll get back to that uh we will eventually but uh right now there's something that I have noticed kind of building up and it kind of coincided with what Steven also wanted to talk about. And that is a certain sense of tribalism, just kind of building up in Western culture, especially America where we live. Um, and so there's some things that I kind of want to address with that. Um, obviously gently as part of our, as part of our uh, understanding, but kind of the preface before we hop into scripture is that, um, our mantra, living under an open heaven, right? That's this kind of takes a perspective of God wanting to interact with us. But I also think that this is really important with us interacting with God and being connected to him in a way that connects us to the, everybody else that God is loving and keeping alive and in existence, regardless of the fact that, that we might consider them our enemy. God still loves them, right? So we need to figure out how to bridge that gap. Obviously, it's not all on us. We just need to be open to the invitation of Jesus. And without further ado, our invitation comes from Mark chapter 8, verse 15. They had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. He enjoined them. Watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves that it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, Why do you conclude that it's because you have no bread? Do you not understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you not have eyes and do not see, ears and do not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand. How many wicker baskets full of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, Twelve? <laughs> when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many 
baskets full of fragments did you pick up? They answered him, Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? Alrighty. So, what is Jesus saying? So a little before uh, this incident, you have the story of the 5,000 being fed by five loaves of bread. So clearly he's indicating, I am not talking about physical bread or physical leaven. So uh, here's the thing. We don't actually get clarification from the author, either in Mark or Matthew or wherever else this comes up in scripture. So part of this is speculation. Um, and because of that, it's a little bit open for opinion and interpretation of the Holy Spirit. Um, so that's kind of the lens we're going through. Um, yeah. But let's start with the basics. What does leaven do? Uh, leaven is a rising agent. It's got yeast in it. So it takes the rest of leaven is a part of is a dough that's already got yeast in it. It's a rising agent. And you put it in the rest with the bread that you're making, and it rises the rest of the bread. You only need a little. So that's what physically, that's the example, the analogy of what Jesus is using. So what could he possibly be meaning spiritually? There's a lens or an aspect of, of our ideology that raises our thoughts and inflates our perspective in the whole part of our person that colors our experience. Um, so from a psychological and from a spiritual perspective, I think that little bit of worldly ideology can really change how we view our spiritual life. So the leaven of Herod. So what in my, I ask myself, like, what is the leaven of Herod? Well, clearly, I think it's a political or social perspective of power, status, comfort, or tribalism. Um, and kind of the same with the Pharisee, except for it's got more of a religious social uh, perspective of power, status, comfort, or tribalism. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on the different dangers of the leaven for the church or for the for Herod? Yeah, um, I, actually, something that's interesting that I want to start talking about here is that he mentions Herod and the Pharisees, which um, is kind of interesting because these guys don't get along. Now, uh, you know, the Pharisees and the high priests, they're not the same thing. The Pharisees, you know, are, are a bit more of your like, almost think of it as more like Protestant. You know, it's like your classical like pastors, right? They're like lay people who are really invested um, but you can have priests who are Pharisees, but you don't have to be a priest to be a Pharisee, right? And then you have the high priest. Either way, both of these guys, they all don't like each other. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Everybody in, in uh, Israel in Jesus' time, almost none of them like each other. They're all enemies of one another. The Pharisees don't like the high priests who don't like Herod, you know, who don't like the, uh, you know, the aesthetics out in the desert, you know, that John the Baptist is one of, like, they're all enemies of one another. And so it's interesting that Jesus says, you know, watch out for the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees, um, because you would almost think, well, these are, these are different leavens. Um, but it's interesting that he lumps them together, although they are distinct. Um, and I like, I like you kind of saying that it's about the power, about the status, about the comfort, about that tribalism. Um, because ultimately it's kind of that ego, 
right? It's it's all focused on them. And that's why they can't get along with each other, right? It's because they're all about them. They're all about what their way is. They're not about advancing the kingdom, right? They're not about having that relationship with God. They're about what is my ideology or what's in it for me? You know, the mm-hmm. high priests, what's in it for how we're going to rule Israel? Herod, what's in it for how I'm going to get rich and rule Israel? The Pharisees, what's in it for my version of the religion? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah, I just like that assessment. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think. Here's the thing. I think it really does boil down to these things of like when we start getting our perspective, gets in, getting a little bit off from reality or off from uh being able to see another human being as our brother or sister right mm-hmm. what's to blame it's one of those four things power status comfort or tribalism i think right now tribalism is the most uh intense feeling and i think it's because we're living in a culture where we're kind of isolated but so connected through the internet so connected through um social media where we can find it's so easy to cancel somebody like whether we cancel it like officially on like TikTok or social media or whatever. Um, it's so easy just to say, I'm going to unfollow you, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I'm, I'm sick of, uh, you know, our president, I'm going to unfollow follow them or anybody else that says that they agree with his beliefs, you know, um, whether it be our current one or the past one, you know, <laughs> it's so easy yeah. to do that. Um, and then we just kind of isolate ourselves from hearing any different thought. Um, yeah. And, and what's, in, what's interesting about that tribalism is, and, and, and people don't think about it this way, because it's, it's almost manufactured from a psychological perspective, not to be thought of this way, but it's a form of, it's a form of egoism, right? Like if you have your opinion, and you put that over everything, or if you have you versus other people, you know, at least you can be like, Oh, I'm, I'm being selfish right now. I need to be more selfless. I'm all about me. But tribalism, you know, just from the psychological perspective, it's a social version of being egotistical and being Mm -hmm. selfish and not working with other people. Right. Because what you're able to do is mentally say, Oh, well, this isn't about me or my idea. This is about the truth. This is about the right idea. This is about this other thing that all these other people believe. And so I'm not being about myself. If anything, I'm being about other people because you're being about the other people in your tribe, right? You're being mm-hmm. about this outside idea, these outside group. But really, it's just people coming together to, you know, be this big ball of ego. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah. No, I, I love what you said about truth, too. There's a certain level of, like, you know, focusing in on the truth. But what is actually true is it just an interpretation of what is true do we actually have are we let me restate that are we capable of having a full understanding of what is completely true and honestly i would argue no we can like align ourselves to a a group of people that maybe we think is the most true um but there's going to be nuances and even different understandings within those facts. I mean, like you look at the Catholic church um, and this happens within a religious standpoint where within the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church, there are different stances on the same, um, the same teachings, right? There's different, even emphasis on something as simple as faith versus works, right? Where 
which one's more important? And that's the wrong question, right? <laughs> it, it just boils down to an emphasis of trying to get um, a tribe around the the truth that you personally might need to work on your works or you might need to work on your faith. Like it's, it's a, a desire, I think, of feeling right in, in your, your ego and finding other people that agree with you to confirm that you're right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so why don't I do maybe a little breakdown of um, kind of the dangers of the leaven for the church? And you can tell me what you think about that. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so something that you notice when you read through the Gospels, if you look over it, you know, as all of them together and kind of start tallying up how many things Jesus speaks against, who Jesus is attacking. It's very interesting to notice that Jesus actually attacks uh, the Pharisees um, more than more than anybody else, um, almost combined, right? The Pharise- It's always the Pharisees and the scribes, the Pharisees and the scribes. You know, it, Jesus calls people to repent of their sin. He calls secular worldly sinners, you know, he calls the woman caught in adultery, you know, he calls, uh, he calls, you know, the tax collectors, he calls them all, you know, after eating them with them and having fellowship, he calls them to come back to him. Mm-hmm. But um, you notice he's never attacking them. He's always meeting with them and then calling them back to repentance. Um, and he'll, he'll eat with Pharisees too. I mean, he was eating at the Pharisee's house when the woman came up, you know, with the, with the jar of perfume and started, you know, putting it on his feet too. So it's not like he's not friendly with the Pharisees. It's not like he, he's not willing to eat with the scribes as well, but he's always attacking them. And so it's interesting to notice that Jesus attacks the Pharisees, the religious people of his day, more than he attacks secular sinners. Um, and I, I just think that's a, an interesting thing to just start this conversation with, to note that. Okay. Um, and I think it has to do with something about the dangers of, the sinfulness that you can get into when you get religious versus the sinfulness of the world. And and I think that has something to do with the leaven, right? Because like you said earlier, leaven's what raises the bread. And so if you're going on your faith journey, you know, the leaven of the Pharisees, right? That's what's going to form your religious sense. You know, you're going to start on your faith journey and you're going to become a Pharisee at the end. And Jesus is like, don't do that. <laughs> don't become the Pharisee in your religious journey. Because because, you know, there's the, those two dangers. You're either going to fall away completely and become a worldly sinner, or you're going to become a religious sinner, right? Those are those two forms of sin. And the religious sin, you know, if we want to get into that a little bit, you know, uh, what do the Pharisees do? They're always putting a rule over people. And I think a good example of this is when Jesus goes and picks grain on the Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. What do they do? They go, oh, how come you're picking grain on the Sabbath? First of all, that wasn't actually the rule. Um, that was just an interpretation of the rule, right? And so Jesus is doing it and he says, hey, you know, what did David do? You know, he, he went inside the temple and ate the grain there. And so, but he says at the end, he says, Sabbath was made for man, not man made for the Sabbath. And that's the mistake the Pharisees make. Religion becomes religion for religion's sake, not for people's sake. Now, this is the problem. The Pharisees won't see it that way. You know, the religious sinners the people who are focused wrongly, they won't see it that way. They'll say, no, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for people. It's all about truth. It's all about, you know, um, you know, not just watering it down. Uh, but the problem is, is, is 
that's just kind of the psychological excuse. Ultimately, it it's it's about serving religion for their sake, right? Versus right. religion being the vehicle for the spirit of God, right? Like God mm-hmm. wants to use religion. Religion is not the apex. God is the apex. You know, Christ is the high point. Um, and so what the Pharisees are going to do is they're always going to put a rule over people because they're what they're really about is religion for religion's sake. And that's going to make them distreat, mistreat people. Mm-hmm. When in reality, if we have to pick one, we should, we should mistreat the rule. <laughs> right. And so like the washing of the bowls, like they're like, Oh, why don't you guys wash your hands in your bowls before you eat? And Jesus is like, cause it's, it's, it's not about that. Right mm-hmm. now that doesn't mean you go out and you just say, get rid of all the rules and go sin or do whatever. Um, but the Pharisees get overly stuck on that. And what's really interesting is, and this will maybe be my final point here, and then you can add in what you think. Um, I think in a lot of ways, this is uh, mirroring Pope Francis and, and what he's been doing lately in the church. And, you know, I don't agree with everything that he's been doing per se, but I think a lot of people complain because of how much he speaks against um, certain people in the church, you know, and What's interesting is that's the same thing Jesus did. If, if we're going to tally up the percent that Jesus talked against worldly sinners and worldly sinfulness versus how often Jesus talked about religious sinfulness and religious sinners, namely the Pharisees and the scribes, it's like 80-20. Um, but people in the church don't like to get attacked by the Pope, right? They're like, <laughs> why are you attacking no. me and not attacking this giant world of sin? And it's like, Jesus was in Israel, which is this tiny country, talking against an elite, the elitist, you know, Pharisees of the religion. So he was preaching against that most minority of the minority. Talk about the people who are trying to do it right. You know, people in the church will be like, why are you attacking the people who are trying to take their faith seriously? It's like, talk about people who are trying to take their faith seriously. That's the Pharisees. They're trying to take it more seriously than anybody else. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not leaving the faith. They're the last guys who are going to leave the faith. It's actually the Pharisees who started the uh, synagogues. That's the reason Judaism has synagogues today. So they're, they're like the ultra religious people, but they're the people Jesus is talking against the most. Right. And so people get frustrated when Pope Francis is talking against, you know, a certain rigidity, you know, a certain obsession with religion for religion's sake or tradition for tradition's sake. When it's like, no, tradition serves the people. Right. The rules serve the people. The faith serves the people. And so um, yeah, it's just just some points and reminders uh, when we're looking at this. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, if we look at um, if we look at our religion or any religion for that matter, right? Does the God exist if that religion ends, right? So mm. if you look at the Greek religion the only existence that the Greek gods have is in myth, right? Uh, and not just like stories, but just it's the, the, the concept that this is false, right? <laughs> so the question that we have to ask ourselves, if God is real, if he's a real person, and the Catholic faith were to end, would God end? And if what we say is true about him, then no, he wouldn't, right? Right. So there is a certain level of us holding so hard to our religion's truth, kind of like to what you're saying. 
it almost makes it uncomfortable to enter in, to get new converts, to, to, for people to feel welcomed in because we're holding onto our own culture for our own comfort's sake, for our own social comfort, really, to, to feel like we have a tribe that we are correct and all this other stuff. Um, kind of going back to truth of like, can, can one tribe have the fullness of truth? I don't think truth is something that we can own, right? Truth is tr truth, right? It's objective. It's outside of the lens in which we see it, right? Mm -hmm. Like two people can look at an object and say, oh, that that's like that rock is gray. Another person can look at it. No, it's got a little bit of brown in it. That's definitely a brown rock, you know? Well, what what color is the rock? You know, <laughs> and it's it's a perception which how we see it. Gotten in a lot of arguments about that with people lately. <laughs> Just who sees <laughs> what color and what posted online? Who sees this color? I know, I know. I I get into it. Not it's not an actual argument. My wife's got this like mauvey looking color bag. You know, it's like because I'm basic and have very limited vocabulary of colors. I said it's pink, and my wife's like, no, it's brown. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a whole thing. It's I learned I learned what I point. learned what color taupe was. I, I I heard it before. I just didn't know what color it was. So this I'm like educated what, now. Yeah, there you go. This sounds like uh, what Homer Simpson would say. Dope. Yeah, right. Dope. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, point point that I'm trying to make here is that we can assume that we have truth in our little tribe, but the question that we really have to ask ourselves is. Do I, as a member of this tribe, actually have the full understanding of what it is? And I'm learning really mm -hmm. quickly. I'm learning really quickly that I don't actually have a full understanding of the truth within the Catholic Church. Like, I don't. And, and that's a really good point, I think, because I think a lot of times people, and maybe we can get more into, like, the personal aspect of this, because, you know, it's mm -hmm. one thing to attack people for being Pharisees, and it's another thing to say, okay, how am I being a Pharisee in my life, right? But just kind of with that point you were saying, you know, it's like we're always willing to say, oh, you know, I'm not being a Pharisee. I'm not I'm not being tribalistic. I'm not I'm not trying to own the truth because I'm willing to be open. I'm very open. But then when people come along with their ideas, are we actually open to them? You know, we'll say, oh, I don't think I have the full truth. You know, you know, maybe the church has the fullness of the truth of what we know so far. But, you know, I don't, I don't think I have the full truth. I don't think I'm always right. But then when other ideas come up, it's like, are we actually open to them or do we go, oh, I don't have the full truth, but the truth's definitely not that, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that humility of saying, you know, oh, wait, I, I might be wrong, but not 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 for what any of you guys are saying, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So, and to even take it a step further, right? Like, especially when it comes to like moral, moral gray areas or even black and white moral things, right? it's so easy to focus in on some sort of act of who is right, who is wrong, what did you do is right or wrong. It's so easy to focus in on that when maybe maybe that's not even what Jesus wants us to focus in on other people or even on ourselves for that matter. I mean, you look at um, bringing back the woman who was caught in the middle of adultery. Jesus was drawing in the dirt as everyone's shoving her pushing her around probably while she was half naked or naked because she was caught in the middle of adultery. How humiliating, first of all. 
but having the empathy to see this woman as Jesus sees her while he's drawing in the dirt, whatever he's drawing, you know, there is a level that he sees her, sees the crowd, sees the people jeering and says, the one who has no sin can cast the first stone. Ooh, ooh. He's not even looking at her sin. He's looking at everyone's sin. And not in a judgmental way. He doesn't say, and if you can't cast a stone, hit yourself in the head with the rock, you know, <laughs> like be done yeah. with yourself, condemn yourself. He doesn't say that. He leaves it at just walk away. Yeah. And he says that to the woman, just walk away. I give you the power to no longer sin. And I, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing. You boil it down to truth. What is truth? And it's, how does God see truth? And how does he want me to grow in my perspective and, and enlightenment? You know, that's, that's something that I think that we really need to start challenging ourselves in order to see our tribe as the human race, right? Because it's so easy. And this is why tribalism is so wrong. We're looking to be affirmed that we are correct when Jesus is trying to affirm that we're all saved in his name. You boil it right down to it. Scripture says very clearly that Jesus came that all might be saved. Not those who agree with me on heaven or hell or does hell exist or does heaven like exist. Not all who agree with me of like what to emphasize on whether is more important of faith or works. He came to save all, you know, yeah. regardless of my tribe and regardless of how that makes me feel. And, you know, do we appreciate somebody else who comes to us for full circle? So if we really dive right to the heart of what drives so much division right now in the Western culture is the question of, of the moral, the, the moral and just general question of, uh, sexual orientation and deeper understanding of that whole aspect, you know, um, we're not going to get into the weeds. We're not even going to state, you know, our own personal beliefs, but having the courage to say to oneself, I can have a relationship with somebody, be confident in my beliefs, not make them feel like they are a victim for having different beliefs than me or having different struggles in me and encourage them on in their life in a way that will bring about their best good without condemning, without, you know, just treating them like crap or like a different tribe, like a different us versus them mentality. Yeah. Right? That's hard. I'm not going to lie. That's hard, but it's doable. And even more so, if we have the Holy Spirit a part of us, we're going to be able to love them as God loves them. So having this mindset that I'm going to approach somebody with a different ideology and different understanding of moral truths, you know, that can be really difficult. I'm not going to lie. It, and again, I just want to reaffirm that all things are possible for God. And Jesus said, Jesus said that right after he said, nothing's really possible for man. So if we have that understanding of like, yeah, this is hard. I'm not able to do this. That's exactly where we need to be. We just can't give up at that. Um, you know, 
here's the, here's the thing. Like I, I'm speaking from experience because um, I'm a Pharisee who judges Pharisees. Uh, <laughs> I just am. <laughs> um, I'm I'm in the corner thinking, you know, everyone's got it wrong. Uh, you know, and I'm trying to build my own little tribe, and it's. Well, I catch myself wanting to build my own little tribe to feel validated that I'm right. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it really boils down to being corrected by Jesus when I'm wrong and letting the truth expand in my heart and mind when I am right. Because, you know, just a simple black and white answer, this is right, this is wrong. There's more to that, right? There's more to, there's more to uh, something being right or wrong. There's a reason why it's right or wrong. There's not just a reason why it's right or wrong. There's like maybe the better thing to do. You get into all this stuff where there's just so much more to dive into. If we just get caught up on who's right, who's wrong, we're gonna be living a very sad, basic life, admittedly. Yeah. So. I think that leads right into, okay, so we've kind of discussed the different leavens of the Pharisee of Herod. So what leaven should we be bringing into our lives as best we can? I think it's the leaven of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life, right? He claims to be the one who gives life and gives it abundantly. And it's so nice of him to also give us uh, another bread analogy here. Um, not necessarily analogy, but him actually as the bread of life. Um, so it kind of connects well that he is the one we should be leavening our hearts, leavening our minds. Um, but what does that look like, I guess? That's that's the big question that I have for myself, for you, and for our audience. What does that look like in our personal lives? Steven, do you have any thoughts on that? Dang, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I think if, I mean, it might just be helpful to look at the opposite of what the leaven of the Pharisees is, right? So if if the Pharisees are treating religion for religion's sake, rules for rules' sake, then the leaven of Jesus is um, having an actual relationship with God um, and kind of embodying, you know, the spirit of God. Um and, you know, you're doing things out of love. You're not doing things for their own sake, you know, whatever that is. Um, and so, you know, we were talking about this earlier, but, you know, if, if you're going to mass, right, it's like, are you just going through the motions, you know, um, mm -hmm. or are you actually trying to encounter God at that mass? And you were saying earlier, you know, that's different than dryness. You know, it's not your fault if, if you're just getting dryness spiritually in mass and you can't get stuff out of it but it's more like intentionality like am i actually trying right because you can be a little pharisee you know in other ways you don't have to be judgmental to be a pharisee you just it's any way that you're treating religion for religion's sake right mm -hmm. and so you're just like are you saying the rosary every day because you want to be the kind of person who says the rosary every day are you saying the rosary every day because you just you just want to have that on your card because you 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 feel better as a person are you just doing it because you feel better or are you doing it because you want to encounter Jesus in that situation. And so what Jesus wants to do is when he runs into a person in whatever situation they are, you know, a Pharisee leaven wants to say, well, how am I going to slap my religion worldview down on you? And what Jesus wants to say is, 
here's how I want you to encounter God, right? And and how am I going to see God in you? And so I guess just in a general way in your life, it's just always looking for the presence of God, right? Always looking for, well, mm-hmm. what's what does God want here? How does God want to encounter this person here? So I think if you're always, I don't know, this is just me kind of talking off the spot, but I think if you're focusing on encounter, then I think that would be a good antidote to a lot of that religion for religion's sake. I don't know, it's just my thoughts. Yeah, I, I really like it. I think also just, uh, I think also having a very specific um, routine in which you evaluate your life, evaluate um, your ideologies through the lens of Jesus. Uh, I, I'll give you an example. Um, this morning I was praying through with scripture and I ran, came across another uh, passage dealing about status. Um, it was the, the passage where, um, people couldn't understand what Jesus was saying or believe that he was God because of the uh, essentially the curse that Isaiah prophesied would happen because of the hardness of hearts of Israel during uh, the Babylonian exile and right before. Um, but there were still some people who believed, especially the leaders, but they refused to admit it openly because they longed for the praise of of others of human beings and you know i was kind of thinking about that like you know yeah i guess i do struggle a little bit with like how other people view me and like you know if i really boil it down like yeah there are certain things that i do but the status thing that i really struggled with and this was like kind of like an enlightenment for myself and how jesus was giving maybe a bit of freedom to me for from from this uh craving of status is even internally uh, i was reflecting on i had this memory come up of my wife and i we were thinking about buying a dog we actually almost bought a dog a few months ago and uh we were in the store buying dog food looking at all this other stuff and i had she pointed at like the cheap stuff and i was like i am not the type of person that buys cheap dog food we can afford (laughs) the more expensive healthy stuff (laughs) it was a status thing like, yeah, I have no idea what the dog would actually like to eat. You know, yeah. like it was completely status. Yeah. You know, like and the second I, it's I, status, it stops being about God and it starts being about you. Exactly. And that's exactly. Yeah. And that's just a normal day to day human status obsession. Right. There are things that come up like that. And that's kind of my point is like if we are allowing Jesus to correct us gently because he will always call us into something deeper he might allow memories to kind of come up like how i described and and we might feel a little bit silly but i did not feel condemned right that's that's a mark of the leaven of jesus i didn't feel condemned i felt inspired risen uh to the occasion that's really good grow in that area that's really good because i think that it's like you can apply being a Pharisee to things in your life that have nothing to do with religion. So that's really interesting. Yeah. It's like, you know, buying the healthy dog food. It, it, is it is it is the primary focus that you actually love your dog and you want it to feel better, right? That's kind of like that encounter, right? Versus, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of it being about God versus the status thing. <laughs> it's like yeah. at any point, like, are you saying something to your friend because it's a status thing or it's a who you are, an ego or a, or a, 
this is how you should your live your should live your life is it, it are you leading with ideology or are you leading with what the will of god is mm-hmm. you know and so that's interesting it could, it could be anything you know it in your in your secular quote unquote i don't believe there's such thing as secular but in your secular life right like are yeah. you being a pharisee in the things that you buy or how you talk to your friends or whatever it is right that's interesting mm-hmm. i like that yeah i kind of want to point out another thing in my in my heart because you you'd mentioned the rosary um and that's been kind of like a maybe a friction point in my life for the past well since i hit my 20s when i was a missionary i was pretty much told like good catholics pray the rosary every day right so i try to pray the rosary every day and which is funny because it's a it's a particular devotion it's not it's a particular yeah. devotion so that's all right exactly. so by even saying that you're you're elevating a devotion to a level that the church does not elevate it to. Mm-hmm. But continue. exactly. No, that's that's exactly it. And I, when I found that out, I flipped the exact opposite way of like, good Catholics don't have to pray the rosary. I don't have to pray the rosary. I don't have to have a Marian devotion. And it turned into, again, the saddest thing that like until kind of recently, did I ever actually look at myself through that lens of like, um, this like rebellion of status or this rebellion, like, you know, the flip side of that. that, you that know, that's really extreme. good because what that shows is that, that that's almost pharisaical thinking, right? Here's because what did the Pharisees do? Oh, you got to wash the bowls. You got to wash your hands. And Jesus is like, that wasn't a rule from God. And so the, these people are like, you got to pray the rosary. You got to say this if you're a good Catholic. And you're like, oh, that's not, a, you know, God's like, that's not a rule of the church, you know? And then what did you do? Mm-hmm. You rubber banded. You fl- completely flipped to the other side when it snapped. And so you see that a lot in the church. You see people who pull so hard to one extreme that that it causes other people to flip to the other, which creates the culture that makes people flip back. And so, you know, I think we were talking about this. We talked about this before, but it's like, uh, who's the guy that founded Playboy? Hugh Hefner, right? His parents were extreme conservative, Protestant, puritanical you know, like freaking Germans or something. Right. <laughs> and they never, they never <laughs> touched him growing up. They never hugged them. And, and they were super religious. And it's like, they pulled him so hard in one direction. He snapped, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. I need somebody to hug me. It's like, well, man, that's the wrong way, buddy. But you know, it yeah, went right. the completely <laughs> other way because they were so puritanical. They were so almost, you know, pharisaical in that way that it pulled. And so you see that and everything, right? I was recently reading about um, Audrey Assad, and she, mm-hmm. she, you know, she used to be Catholic. Uh, she's not anymore. I don't know if you know this. Um, yeah. And what happened was, is she fell in with a group of people who, and she was already starting to have doubts, right? She, she was with mm-hmm. a group of people who, you know, were the very, very, you know, conservative, traditional. And so she met these people who were like, oh, be careful about reading anything from Father Richard Rohr, this Franciscan, right? Who I, I will admit is a little more out there. He's a little more on the fringes, as Franciscans are, because they serve everybody, especially people outside of the church trying to evangelize. They, they serve the marginalized, yeah. Right, which includes exactly. non-Catholics. And so he's naturally a little shakier. And so you can understand how, but, but they were like, hey, like, don't read him. They didn't just say, be careful. They said, don't read him, right? And so it's kind of like when a parent says something to a child, don't do that. It's like, well, what do you want to do? You want to do that. I want to, oh yeah. And so what oh, happens yeah. is it's it's like it's like a vaccine. You can't say, 
and, and and maybe this is how you win the conservatives over. You can't say avoid the virus. And what what were the what were the liberals saying? Right, let's avoid it. Let's shut down. Let's let's not go around it at all. And you see China doing that today. China saying, "Don't get it." Well, what's going on now? Everybody in America and Europe got the virus, and now it's like not an issue anymore to 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 a degree. Who didn't get the virus? China. They shut down. They forced people to stay in their homes. They never got inoculated. And so now two years later, they have three variants break out that are rapidly spreading across the country. They have millions of people infected right now. It's a huge problem because they didn't get inoculated. They try to just keep you away from it, right? And so spiritually, the same thing happens. Psychologically, they said, hey, Audrey, don't read Father Richard Rohr. Well, let's say Father Richard Rohr is a virus. I don't think he is. I think he's got some good stuff. I think he's got some stuff that's a little far out there. Doesn't matter. They didn't inoculate her. They didn't say, hey, here's what you should think about. Here's what you should be careful about. Here's what you should realize before you ever touch something like that. They said, don't read them. And so she's not inoculated. Now, when she goes and reads them, she goes, oh, my God, it's like a new world. It's like it's like everybody until now has been trying to keep me dumb. Right. And so once she starts having doubts and having friends that come out as gay and having people who are questioning her Catholic, you know, core Catholic beliefs, she's not inoculated. And so she's just scandalized. And so the answer to being scandalized is being inoculated. And so they pulled so far one way, you know, it's like a pharisaical. You pull so far one way. What happens? Boom. Hugh Hefner. Boom. Audrey Saad leaves the faith, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I love those analogies, I, or not analogies, I love those examples um, in many ways. Yeah, like, we we really have to be careful about um, building up a faith that is false. Uh, because the moment, the moment some sort of trauma or tragedy happens, whether it be, uh, you know, you believe very firmly, wholeheartedly that uh, coming out as gay is bad, or something like that, you know, or or I don't know, like, like using that, that example, the moment that a friend or a sibling or a, you know, a a child that that happens to it, you have to begin to question everything because now it's no longer just an idea. You're dealing with somebody who deals with the struggle, right? It's not an idea that you can box in and push off to the side but something that you have to examine and look at. And I think that can terrify people a lot if they're told to stay away from it. And yeah, I think the, the analogy that you used is, is I think really good. Um, Cause being able to look at somebody else's ideas and not feel threatened is so important, right? Because they are a part of the human tribe, not a part of the Catholic tribe, like that we have imagined the conservative Catholic tribe or the conservative Protestant tribe or the liberal Catholic tribe, liberal Protestant tribe. Those should not exist. And they only exist because we want to feel right about our particular beliefs Mm. that we're holding dear to, right? It's a particular emphasis that is maybe out of balance. Because we belong to the human tribe. That, that, that reminds me. Uh, uh, I, I I know some people might recoil a little bit about that because they want to say, "Well, they will." <laughs> well, yeah. Cause, well, because they want to say, "Well, my Christianity is divine, 
and my humanity isn't necessarily divine. And so, you know, like I'm going to put my Christianity before my humanity. But I think, I think a good quote that might, that might solve that way of thinking is it's, you know, why do you serve people? You don't serve people because they're Christian. You don't serve people because they're Catholic. You serve other people because you're Catholic, right? And so it, it, it's mm-hmm. it's not about it's not about well here's my tribe and here's me and focus on me. It's about like I'm Christian, so I'm going to serve other people. I'm Christian, so I'm going to be selfless for other people, no matter who they are. So it's like you're not being selfless because you know because they're whatever their tribe is. You're being selfless because your tribe of Christianity is inherently selfless to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just a thought. I, I like that quote. You know, we don't help other people because they're Catholic. We help them because we're Catholic, right? Exactly. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that boils it right down to it. Now, here's here's a, something else that I, I think is problematic with looking at like dividing your Christianity with your humanity, because Jesus was one hundred percent God and one hundred percent human. It wasn't like he was fifty fifty or seventy five twenty five or something silly like that. You know. He was a new creation, and he's welcoming us into that new creation, right? So we are not dividing up our Christianity from our humanity. And I think my my story back about like being in the 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 in Meyer, you know, our grocery place, looking for dog food, you know, the status thing. Why did Jesus bring that up? That's completely natural has nothing to do with religion so i thought until jesus pointed that out yeah well it it has everything to do with religion in the sense that well my christian beliefs because it has to do with my belief about myself so i don't know that was just one extra thing i wanted to add in into that that comment about yeah no that's good christianity versus humanity yeah Awesome. Well, I think we talked about a lot of really awesome stuff. Uh, Stephen, do you have any last thoughts that you want to share? Um, I don't, but if you do, you can lead. Alrighty. I don't really either. Um, I, I think, well, I guess I do have one last thought. It's more of like a, I guess a challenge. We talked a lot about things that might really shake you. <laughs> and I hope you made it to this point. And if you did, um, you know, know that this is an opportunity for you to let Jesus challenge maybe the, some of those like tribalistic thoughts or those thoughts of like, wh- where did you put emphasis on that uh, Jesus maybe wants to help you have more of an emphasis of where he wants to put emphasis in in a particular part time of your life. Um, and I guess what I mean by that is it's really easy to want to feel secure in our beliefs. I would say that's probably one of the the easiest traps that we always fall into as human beings. Um, And it's really important to us to to know that we have other people who also believe similarly to us. But that's the key, is similar. Not the exact same thing. And why is that? Because we're all at different stages in our life, with different experiences in our life, walking with Jesus, walking with understanding what is truth and understanding our relationship with it. So it would be ridiculous to think that I can conform myself to one political party or one 
religious uh, sect, meaning group of people, and find myself agreeing 100% with everything. Because that just, it, it probably isn't possible. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not, but I think it's important to allow Jesus to challenge us and walk with us into a deeper understanding of truth and with, and of love. Yeah, it's good. It's deep. Yeah, man. Alrighty. Well, with that, uh, let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and give our hearts security in you. Give our hearts security and freedom from tribalism, from the status that we all crave, from power. Jesus, we ask you to give us your leaven and to help us dissect out of us uh, the leaven of the Pharisee, the leaven of Herod, anything else that's inflating our minds and hearts that is not of you. We praise you and we thank you for your good. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day. Take care and God bless. God bless. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We hope that this podcast blessed you. And we ask if it did, share that with the people that you love so that it can bless them as well. If you want to reach out to us, we are available on Facebook. We are under an open heaven. Our email address is under an open heaven dot fire at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at under and open heaven dot fire. So please go uh, give those a gander and send us any feedback that you want. We would be happy to reply to you. God bless. Bye.